So uh, we did uh, get back from the Dominican Republic last week um, on the 23rd, I believe we got back, and there were 27 of us that went. I think the average age of our group was somewhere in the low 20s, 23, 24. Um, we had a few people that took family, like little kids with them, with us. My little kids went, and uh, two other families brought their little kids with them. And really, the kids that we brought belonged to the whole group, and we had lots of people that looked after the kids, and it was kind of nice. We had like 20 babysitters with us. <laughs> As a parent, it felt kind of good, i got to say. And um, I, I went with a skeptical heart. And I'll share more about why I was so skeptical about a mission trip in just a moment. But before I do, um, I want us to hear from a couple of people who went and had their lives changed by the experience. And so um, Matt Malloy and Emma Kenna are going to come and share a couple of words. Matt's going to come first. And I just want you to listen. And my hope is that the fire in your soul is, uh, is lit like mine was coming home from that trip. Because I went very skeptical, not knowing for sure if this would be something that the story would come alive for and, and be a part of. Um, and I came back completely convinced that this is what we need to be doing with our time and energy and resources. So uh, Matt, would you come and share with us? Is this working? Okay, good. Thanks, Eric. Um, so Eric gave me three to five minutes to talk about the week we had uh, in the Dominican Republic, and it was, it was just a beautiful week uh, in so many ways. So I'm going to share a couple of things uh, about the trip. First, I'm going to talk a little bit about Go Ministries, the organization we were there with. Uh, and then second, I'll talk about the trip, uh, the, uh, tr trip itself. So first, a word about Go Ministries. Um, it's an organization that hosts probably about 70 or so teams like ours down there every year. Um, and I love just the name of the organization, Go Ministries. So reading from Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the first word in that is go. And God wants us to go. Go's vision and their mission statement starts with redeem. It's the first word. It's redeem, renew, restore. And everything that Go Ministries does on that island, whether it's feeding kids in the hole, whether it's playing baseball with kids out of the new facilities, whether it's providing medical care for the sick, it's an eye towards redeeming those people in Christ. So it's not just giving handouts to people who have less than we do, but it's about redeeming them in Jesus Christ. So it's a great organization. There's a lot more that can be said about it, but their focus is truly on making disciples of all nations, and that is exactly what they are doing. Now, a little bit about the trip. Uh, this was the fifth year that St. Luke's uh, has sent a team to the Dominican Republic. Uh, this year we sent 27, which was a pretty good number, but in the past we've sent you know, much greater. We've had, I think, close to 100 people go. Uh, in the previous years, but in my opinion, I've gone on all five of those trips. There was just something special and magical about this trip. It was just truly God and His Holy Spirit was there with us, and it was a true joy just to be there. And one of the things that stood out to me, just the one memory um, I think I'll take away 
you know, more from this year than the other years is the progress that we've seen in that island. I remember we were in the bus, we were driving around the city of Santiago, and we pulled up to the medical facility. And the people in the bus that worked to dig the foundation of that medical facility saw a three-story building there, and you could just, the gasps, the wows in that bus. It was just awesome. There was clapping, there was cheering. So to go one year and dig the foundation, the next year work on the drainage, and then to go, go and then last year they tied rebar, and then now to see a three-story facility, it was, just, it was just awesome. I didn't actually take part in that construction. I was in the sports outreach. But to see those that worked on that, just so excited, that was, that was really, so, so the progress, a lot is being done on the island. Um, one of the other areas of progress is what they call the leadership development complex. That's where um, they are trying to use sports as an outreach mechanism to bring kids in and to make disciples. Um, we pulled up to a 24-acre piece of land, eight of it was cleared, and we pulled up and saw baseball fields, batting cages, pitchers' mounds and kids all over that complex. The first years we went, we were trying to find a place to go in town, shared facilities where there's other, um, there's other elements that we really didn't want around the go kids there, and now they have a place. So they were dreaming about it five years ago, a, a land, a piece of land they could call their own to go play baseball safely with kids. Now they've got 24 acres to do that. And the one memory I have from out at the LDC, where it was the first day we were out there, and just the awe of seeing that facility, but then the kids showed up. So a big bus pulls up, and it was you know, several hundred yards away, and just a team of kids came running, jogging, walking quickly with all their gear just to come because they, they knew we were there, and they wanted to go play baseball. So the joy and the happiness that they had, it's almost like they didn't do that every day. But they go out there every day and play baseball with these kids, and the adult leaders get to pour into these kids Bibles lessons, devotionals, Disciple making. It's it was an intentional purpose of leading these kids to grow up to be men in Christ in that, in that community. And to see the joy on those kids' faces, it really was contagious. The kids had joy, we had joy, uh, and it really manifested itself. One evening we were in the bus going back from getting uh, ice cream, we were singing songs. Um, and then, I don't know who it was in the back of the bus, whether it was Mark, Ella, Joel, or Cohen, but one of them decided we needed to crowd surf. So we're sitting here in the bus, and we're passing the kids back and forth the bus playing music, and it was, it was just something you, would, you wouldn't do here. Um, and it was that joy that we really got infected from, from the kids. It was just contagious, uh, the joy and the happiness. And I'll leave you with this. My wife asked Mark, uh, a seven-year-old son, he said, you know, what's the one thing you remember most about these kids there? And Mark says, they're just so happy. Hmm. They're just so happy. And these are kids, you know, some of them had shoes on, some of them didn't. Uh, most of them had clothes, but some of them didn't. But they were happy. And so my wife asks, well, what do, you, what do you learn from that? And Mark says, well, maybe we should be poor. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> the part of the story with the crowd surfing that you won't hear from Matt is what happened 10 minutes before that when we were talking about joy and we made a circle uh, in the worship space and we had had this devotional and we were singing this little light of mine and it just started out as like your typical kind of 
white guys singing this a lot of mine. And then suddenly it became this like spiritual moment and like people were, like the kids were dancing and, and then like, first of all, it was just the kids. And then I see this six foot six guy go boing, boing, boing across, like smile with the biggest smile on his face. It's Matt. Matt's just bouncing across. And then, you know, everybody was dancing. It was just, there was such a sense of joy. And that's what happens when, I think, when we get this idea of missions right, it's not just us going and sharing from our privileged place with these poor people. They infected us with their joy. They served us. And our souls came back the better for it. So um, one of my favorite parts about the trip was seeing so many of our young people come to life. And Emma is one of those. And Emma's going to come and share with us now as well. Right here. Come on up. Uh, go up the stairs there. There you go. Yeah. Here you go. Um, hi. Um, I wrote my speech on my phone, so that's why I have it. <laughs> I'm not that attached to it. Um, hi. For those of you who don't know, um, I'm Emma Kenna, and this is my second year to go on the Go Ministries trip, which is really a partnership with Go Ministries that St. Luke's has down there. And Go Ministries is a culmination of people that strives to renew people, oh shoot, redeem people, renew <laughs> communities, and restore God's creation by empowering local leaders and creating mutually transformational partnerships. And if those really big words confused you like they did me the first year, you know, it basically means um, that Go's mission is to change people and communities and to bring back God's creation by developing long-term relationships that change both of the parties involved for the better. And that really stuck with me this trip. Um, although this was only my second time going to the Dominican Republic, the change that took place in the period of a year was incredible. Like Matt talked about, the medical center is up to three stories, and it was only two last year, and it was just totally insane to see that much progress, and it just filled me with joy, and I just cannot wait for it to be done. And the LDC, like he said, it's got two baseball fields, and it was crazy because I had never seen the LDC except for last year when we went, and it was just a field. They had stripped it of, like, plants, and it just looked kind of bare, so it was really cool to see it this year. And um, so one of the most unique things about Go Ministries is their sports outreach program, and they reach out to kids through baseball and basketball, and they really bring them in, and they have signed a couple of professional baseball players to American teams, I'm pretty sure. But I think the coolest thing is that those who don't go on to be professionals have been poured into by the coaches and by their fellow teammates. And some of them go on to be in the go seminary school, and that in turn just infects the rest of the Dominican Republic with God's love, which is pretty cool. And um, this year, since we took a smaller team, I got to go to the VBS side of go, which I hadn't done before. And um, it was really cool to get interact with like three different BBS is because the kids and the neighborhoods were totally different, and it was just an amazing experience. And one thing that really struck me was, it was the third day and we went to our feeding center, and as we got off the bus, all these kids were just so excited to see us. And there was one kid in particular, I hope I'm saying his name right, but his name was Simon, but it's spelled like S-A-I-M-Y-N, so not quite sure. <laughs> but <laughs> that's how we understood it. And he latched on to me the entire afternoon. And although we couldn't understand a lot of what he was, each other was saying, we just really wanted to laugh with each other and be in each other's presence. And I think there's something about stumbling over words and piecing together sentences of a broken language that, and communicating in the international language of laughter 
that truly allows you to experience the childlike side of God, which Eric talked about, which was really cool. Um, so Simon allowed me to glimpse at what God truly means when he says, love thy neighbor, which is to completely love and trust someone without regard for any preconceived notion or impression you might have of them. And that really struck with me, and I've been trying to do that since I've got back a lot. Um, another privilege of going on a smaller trip was it forced everyone there into community. I got to know everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so whether we all got to know each other pretty quickly from impromptu crowd surfing to uh, Jesus music, it was pretty great, um, to softball games that I'm not quite sure. I haven't played softball in a long time, but it was pretty fun. <laughs> um, it was really cool to be able to interact with the coaches that taught baseball and see how they would you know, interact with the kids like they interacted with us. And finally, really got to know a lot of the youth when we decided to um, camp out and watch the sunrise on a freezing cold beach at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> a lot of us went back inside after that, um, but <laughs> me and Allison Elder, I don't know if she's here today, I think she's in Belize, but we stayed up all night and <laughs> we watched the sunrise and it was amazing and it was really cool to see God's majesty that way after a really long night. Thankfully, we had a three-hour bus trip to recover after that. Um, again, I'm so incredibly grateful that I got the opportunity to embark on this trip again. I'd like to say thanks to Matt for continuing it, because it's probably my favorite trip, and it really has changed my life both years I went. Um, and it's a wonderful trip that expanded my faith story and allowed me to create a bond with Go Ministries, along with the amazing families down there. And I will continue to <laughs> cultivate that bond as I try and go next year. So that is why I encourage you all to really look into Go Ministries and their story and what they're doing because it's absolutely incredible. And they're changing the Dominican Republic in a way that I think we should be changing the United States. So, the end. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Very courageous of you. And um, to our whole team, thank you. Uh, there were several that couldn't come because of the holiday weekend, but man, we just had such a transformative time. And when I said earlier that I went as a skeptical person, I, I mean it, and I'm a pastor, and I'm not supposed to say this, but I hate mission trips. Can I say that? Is this safe? Is this a safe place for me to say that? Like, I'm a preacher's kid, and so when you're a preacher's kid, you kind of get a peek behind the curtain, like, a lot, and mission trips to me, when I went through my really cynical atheist phase, mission trips were one of the things I pointed to and said, see, that's not, that's not really how it should be, because what I saw, and this, again, I'm a cynical person, uh, what I saw oftentimes with mission trips was um, people who had a lot from a place like the U.S. going for like a week to some random overseas place, sharing a little bit of what they have and doing some kind of pet projects, building things and stuff, and then leaving and never really going back again. Like scattershot missions. You know what I'm talking about? Like, let's go here and do a little bit of good this year, but next year let's go there and do a little bit of good, and then let's go there and do a little bit of good so that, you know, you could be in six or seven different countries as a church doing a little bit of good here and there. But really what you're doing is kind of making yourself feel good. So I've seen churches and I've seen people, young people especially, getting really discouraged 
by that kind of methodology around missions, like why are we spending $50,000 to travel back and forth and you know, not really seeing any sustainable growth? Does this make sense? You all with me? Um, my best man at my wedding is from, uh, he was from the Republic of Congo. Uh, used to be Zaire. And he told me about the missions efforts, uh, well-intentioned missions efforts that were going on in sub-Saharan Africa in the 90s. And there was this big push to build new freshwater wells for people in the 90s. And now this has become perfected and it's legit now. All the stuff going on now is awesome. But in the 90s, this is how it went. Like you'd come to the United States, you'd get people really emotional about people in Africa that don't have water and then you'd have a special offering and you'd go and build the well and you'd have this big celebration and take a lot of pictures around the well that you dug and then come back and show your church how great you are. But my friend who lived there said, Five years after the well was dug, something would go wrong. It needed maintenance. It needed upkeep. But none of us knew what to do. We weren't trained. No one told us how to keep these things going. No one gave us resources or training to maintain the wells. And so he said, the Republic of Congo is dotted with wells that don't work anymore because of misplaced good intentions around missions. And that's the kind of stuff that I saw um, when I was in my heavy doubting phase. I uh, went on a mission trip once uh, to Ecuador with some college friends. We went there uh, as musical missionaries. So this is what you may not know about me. Gio and I used to lead a, a Christian band in college called uh, Continental Breakfast, and it was <laughs> legit, let me tell you. There's recordings of it somewhere. We were traveling through one um, deeply impoverished city. We were walking toward our lunch destination. There was an old lady on the side of the street with no shoes on. And my friends and I decided we were going to buy this woman some shoes. And I have a picture of this happening, but I didn't give it to the people because I had uh, bleach blonde hair in it. And I don't want y'all to see that. So anyway, um, this is what happened. So we go and we buy shoes and I'm like kneeling down and her feet are all crumply and just, all, just really mangled feet. She's been walking on them for years. And I'm trying to force these shoes onto her feet. I didn't know this, but she didn't, she was telling me, no, no. You know, like I'm just like trying to get these shoes on her feet. And then, you know, my buddies and I, we kind of high five each other and walk away. Like we got some shoes for this lady. And we took pictures and it was something we were really proud of. We went to lunch. We come back by. Same lady, no shoes. I'm thinking, what in the heck has happened? And we asked one of the locals what was going on, and he told us that when we went to lunch, she got up and went back to the store and sold the shoes back to the store and got the money. Probably less than what we paid for them, right? Um, again, good intentions, but not always well thought out. So that was, for a long time, my impressions of church mission trips. I've always knew, known there was a better way. But I was skeptical when Matt and Brenda and a few others came and said, St. Luke's, the mother church, is kind of shifting gears with their international work. They're going to focus on Guatemala more. And this whole thing with the Dominican we've been working on, um, it, it, uh, it might be going away or something. And so Matt and Brenda told me about this and said, maybe the story can help lead the effort. I admittedly was... Suspicious, and I wondered if it would be like every other mission trip. But those 
eight days that we spent in the Dominican Republic uh, changed my perception of what missions can be. We're not even calling it missions at the store anymore. We're calling it a cultural exchange and immersion because it's so much more than old school missions. And I am prayerful about what this can mean for the future of the story and for all of you. Um, when I think about what's happening with Go Ministries and my past negative experiences with church missions, there's three things that I identified that are just different about what's happening with Go Ministries. First of all, there's the theological education component. So it's not just social service, like you see a lot of times, like you just serve meals to the same people day after day. Go Ministries is planting churches in communities, and these churches become the community centers. In some of the most just depraved places in the Dominican, the churches they're planting are becoming the only beacons of hope um, and they are still doing the social service, but they're doing it locally. That's the second thing I would say, is that empowering local leaders is such a critical component. They don't need us to come and do the work, right? They don't need us to come and paint walls. They could do that stuff without us um, because they're all about empowering local leadership, raising up local pastors and training them to plant these churches. Um, and then the third thing that I identified that's just different about Go is the relationships. The end game for Go Ministries is cultivating mutually, uh, mutually beneficial um, relationships. And so um, people grow to love each other. There was a young uh, kid there at the baseball complex that I played baseball with. Every day we went there, his name was Jimenez. I think we have a picture of Jimenez and I. This is us, kind of dark, sorry, but Jimenez was my best buddy in the Dominican Republic. And uh, Jimenez loved to pretend like he pitched for the Red Sox. And we would pitch through the ninth inning of the Game 7 of the World Series. And, you know, he'd strike guys out or walk guys or whatever. And every time he won, you know, we played the same scenario over and over. Every time he won Game 7 of the World Series, we'd have a big celebration, jumping up like fools in the middle of this field in the Dominican Republic. And we grew really close. And every time I would drive up to a place in the bus, he would look for me and I would look for him. And the last thing this kid told me was constantly around the church or the baseball fields. The last thing he told me before we left on the last day was, no me olvides, okay? Which means, don't forget me, okay? No me olvides. Don't forget me. And those words, they kind of haunt me in a good way. I just have held on to his face and to that memory of him saying, don't forget me, and I have not forgotten, and I will not forget Jimenez. And Jimenez is one of the top reasons why I cannot wait to get back to the Dominican, to experience, again, that relationship. We spent a little bit of time in a place uh, far worse than anything I've ever laid eyes on in terms of how people live. This place is aptly called The Hole. I got a couple of pictures of The Hole. Um, let's see... This is, uh, gives you an idea of what the hole is like. There's kind of a footbridge there to get across. That water there is sewage. So the hole, uh, do we have the other picture where we're walking down the steps? Yeah, so this is a vertical view, like down a long staircase into this pit of the city is where the hole is. 
And all the city sewage runs through it, and there's uh, animals that are drinking it and laying in it. There are kids playing all around. When you walk down the steps toward the hole, there are young girls and women sitting in the windowsills, exposed, semi-exposed. And I learned later that if you had 10 bucks and an ocean, you could get what you wanted from these women and young girls. And it broke my heart as we sat in the hole feeding lunch to these kids. And then we went to uh, the church that Go Ministries had planted through with the help of churches like St. Luke's in the story. And the church space was the only new looking space in the hole. You go in and it feels fresh, it feels light, there's color everywhere, and it feels like you're safe for a minute after constantly being on edge outside. Of the church, and we spent some time talking to Pastor Felix. Pastor Felix planted this church 13 years ago in the hole, and he's been there every day growing this church and leading these people in the hole, pastoring people like those young girls in those windowsills. I cannot fathom. I came back home thinking I will never again complain about being a pastor in Houston, Texas, after talking to Pastor Felix. Uh, pastor Felix told us about his beginning in the hole. When he came to the hole, it was completely controlled by drug gangs. And he told this story, and this story made so much, it resonated with me after talking uh, last month about the masculinity factor and like the aggression of God and how we're fighting this battle against evil. Like he shared this story about going into the hole and it's controlled by these drug gangs and he's fearing for his life. And one time he summoned to a meeting with some of these leaders and he walks into this room and some of these leaders are sitting at a table and their guns are laid out on the table. Automatic weapons laid out in front of him. Felix is thinking, this is it, I'm done. And they ask him what he's doing here. What are you doing in our territory, in our neighborhood? And Felix said, I'm here to tell people about Jesus and I'm here to help those who need it. Not knowing what they would say. And the gang leaders talked about it for a minute, and then they came back to Felix and said, fine, we've got your back. If anybody messes with you, tell us, <laughs> and we'll take care of them for you. And it just reminded me, what we've just been talking about last month is that our battle as people of God is not against flesh and blood. The enemy we're fighting is an enemy of darkness. It is, as Ephesians 6 calls it, this is from Ephesians 6, uh, verse 12, it is against the rulers, the authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, spiritual powers of evil. Now, I am not saying we can go in and be the saviors and change the whole overnight. I'm not saying that the women and young girls in the windowsills, that we can save them from their plight. I'm saying that making an investment now as a church of our time and energy, our prayers, our resources, I'm saying that we might change their daughters' lives. I'm saying that when we fight this battle in front of us, we can make a difference through the power of the Holy Spirit and this struggle that we're up against. We have no choice but to rise up and stand up with Felix on behalf of those girls, on behalf of the children of the Dominican Republic. 
My prayer is that this becomes something that we talk about regularly at the story now. We're not going to be scattershot in terms of our overseas outreach. We're not going to be in seven different countries. This is our focus. We're not going to make a little bit of difference in a bunch of different places. We're going to make a lot of difference in one. We are going to focus completely on what's going on in the Dominican Republic through Go Ministries, and we're going to see an impact there. By the grace of God, we're going to see an impact because we're going to partner together with Go in a more sustainable way. Now, what does this mean for you? Um, We don't know exactly yet except to say that um, if you have any interest at all in being a part of this team, we need to hear from you today so that as we get ready for the next trips, as we get ready to call on our small groups to partner with individuals in the Dominican, we know we can call on you to help us do that. So the way that you'll do that is with your Connect cards. You were given those when you came in. You can write uh, that you're interested in the DR. Just write DR anywhere on your card. And um, it doesn't mean you're going to commit in any specific way. It just means that when we get together and talk about this, you're going to be at the table. If you're interested in going to the DR, I would love to know that as well. If you're interested in making a financial contribution to GO's efforts, our efforts in the DR, uh, today would be an awesome time to do that as well. The Abomination Feast at the end of this month is also a fundraiser for this project. And so if you can come and support that, you're supporting our efforts in the Dominican Republic. I am so blessed that we went on this trip. I'm so fortunate personally that my mind was changed about what churches like us can do in places like the Dominican Republic. And we're seeing it in our own eyes. There's one more passage that I want to share with you that was kind of the theme passage for our whole trip. And this comes from the prophet Isaiah. Will Mercado actually brought it to our attention. And I hope you hear God calling you in this way. Isaiah 6, this is verse 8. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And God said, Go. Would you pray with me? God, give us courage to stand up, to stand up in the face of darkness and stare it down and scare it away. For the sake of those whose lives hang in the balance, God, give us courage. Help us to resist the temptation to have tunnel vision and live only for us. Help us to see the need that is before us and to stand up and to decide once and for all that we will live to make a difference that we will give what we have to make sure the next generation of people in the whole don't live in the same misery as the last generation did. God, help us. We pray for all the people on the ground in the Dominican, for all of our partners there who are daily working to raise up locals, local leaders who empower, who redeem and renew and restore. God, we thank you for calling us the story Houston to make a difference in this way. May we be sacrificial and courageous in our response. In Jesus' name, amen.